Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. So we're in the middle of uh, Pastor Elijah's series, Mind Games. And man, when he asked me to preach, um, he had gave me a topic. And um, man, I just as soon as he told me, I started, I started researching, started praying. And I probably wrote this message. Man, if I didn't write this message five different times, I didn't write it once. And um, so I started like thinking, you know, Lord, I had a bunch of ideas, but I wanted it to be what, what his idea was. So here's what I think. Um, so I titled the message, The Struggle is Real, and because um, it is real. Uh, I'm going to start off with, uh, with John 10.10, 10. and I'm not going to ask you all to keep flipping and stuff with me, but if anybody wants to flip to one verse, this would be it, because this is, this is where we're going to start off, okay? Um, John 10, verse 10. The struggle is real. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Um, I'll read it again. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Oh, man, there's a couple of takeaways from that verse, but two main ones is this. Um, The thief has a clear uh, plan, and so does Jesus. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean for one person's life or only if you're saved or, um, or anything. It's for everybody. If you were created and you're here, then God has a plan for your life. Um, and it's that you would have a full life. And, um, and, and what would be full for me might not be what's full for you, but it all pertains to God's will. So an example would be, you know, God may place, you know, generosity and giving on somebody's heart. And so God wants them to do well and have wealth to bless other people in his kingdom. So that would be a full life for God. Um, whereas somebody else, man, he might want them to preach his word, and, and money doesn't always follow that. So um, he would put fullness in their life to preach. And so um, everybody has that purpose, and, and not to beat a dead horse, but um, the enemy is going to want to kill that uh, as best he can. Um, so I'm going to start off with my first point. Um, the struggle starts with your thoughts. Um, in Proverbs 23, 7, um, it says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. And I'm going to elaborate on that. Um, and, you know, what you believe about yourself is what you're going to become. Um, an example would be take baseball, for instance. If you're a baseball player and you walk up to the plate and you really believe that you're going to strike out. Man, if you're walking up to that plate and you're like, man, I'm going to strike out, I'm going to strike out, I'm going to strike out, you're going to strike out. And, uh, and the second time you get up to bat, you're going to be like, man, I was thinking I was going to strike out a while ago. I'm going to strike out again. And this time, you're really going to strike out. Uh, and it's the same thing with life. You know, if you believe um, lies, then those lies are going to dictate the pace and the direction of your life. And um, if you believe truth, then the truth is going to dictate um, the pace and the direction of your life. Um, so... I'm going to lead into a little bit about me. Some of y'all I know, uh, some of y'all I don't know. Uh, but, you know, for me, I was in a struggle uh, for my mind for 21 years. And I'm 24 now, so I've been walking with the Lord for three years. But um, I was in a struggle for my mind for 21 years. And I had no idea. Man, I didn't know. Um, I didn't even know there was a struggle. Uh, so I grew up um, from home in Louisiana, about two hours, I guess, southeast of here. 
And um, man, you know, if I had to say there'd be one theme that, man, all my peers, my older friends, you know, family and stuff, if I had to say there was one thing that would be like an overall theme for like the younger years of my life, it would be get it out of your system. Man, I can't tell you how many times I heard that. Man, get everything that you want to do out of your system before you get to be 21, you know, 25, before you get married. Because once you get married, you can't do nothing. And that's what I've always, I always was raised to believe, you know. And, um, and so that's kind of how I, uh, I shaped my life. And I, I didn't realize, man, these things that I'm taking in is, is really dictating uh, the pace and direction of my life. But they were. Um, so when I got to college, I came to UL. And, um, man, I just started getting into the party scene. And, and I love people, you know, so... Um, I love people. I was never short on friends. Man, every night I had my choice of what party I wanted to go to. And so I'd go. And, you know, partying three nights a week is what it started out as. Uh, pretty soon I was partying five nights a week. And then pretty soon I wasn't even taking off on Sundays. Uh, man, I was partying. I was drinking. I was smoking weed, just doing a bunch of stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing. And, um, and what's crazy is something inside of me didn't feel right. But I kept saying, nah, man, I got to get this out of my system real quick. Because if I don't, I won't be able to do this later on in life. And so, um, man, I, uh, I did that for probably three, probably two, three years. And, um, and I remember it was one night, one night in particular, um, we had this huge party, man. Um, they, probably had, they probably had 100 people there, literally, in a small apartment. And, um, man, we partied from probably noon uh, during the day till three at night. And I mean, if, if you could drink it, it was there. It was, it was a crazy party. And everybody left and, um, you know, went from being really loud to really quiet. And man, I'm sitting in my room, drunk, laying down, and I'm like, whew, that was crazy. And all of a sudden, the thought hit me. It's like, man, I thought this was supposed to be fulfilling. Like, I thought I'm supposed to get this out of my system. And I've been doing this for three years strong. And it's not fulfilling, number one, and I don't see it stopping no time soon. You know, there's, there's nothing to throw it off a pace. And so um, during, you know, the, the, the two years leading up to that, man, I was raised religious, but, man, I, I didn't know the Lord. And um, I wasn't raised, you know, uh, with a relationship with God. I just followed a list of rules. And I thought, well, man, you know, if, if I follow these rules, I'll be good. And, and if I follow these rules when I'm here, I'll be good. So I just had like a, I was very good at following rules. And so, man, during the two or three years of like hard partying, I kind of quit believing in God. And, um, and I started to trip people up, man. I would, I would have friends who were like religious or Christians and, and I would look at them and ask them all these questions that I knew they couldn't answer. And whenever they were squirming, I kind of laugh about it, you know. And, um, and man, I made that a sport. And so, but this night, you know, this night I felt so empty. And um, if there's one place you can't lie to yourself, you know, you can, you can be, you know, as fake as you want, you know, uh, around all your friends, family, whatever. But if there's one place you can't lie to yourself uh, is whenever you lay your head down at night and, uh, and go to sleep, man. You can't lie at that point. That's when things get real. And so, um, and so uh, yeah, that was good. Huh? <laughs> so, um, so, man, I, I get up out of my bed and I... I I was at the uh, the Edge apartment complex, and I opened my blinds, and I looked up at the sky, and um, I said, God, if you're real, and if you'll be man enough 
to show me you're real, then I'll be man enough to follow you for the rest of my life. And when I said it, I meant it. And, um, but I never imagined this guy that I didn't believe in would call my bluff, and he did. Um, so, you know, it's not long after that I decided, man, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to start pursuing. You know, maybe if I ask God to do that, to do his part, maybe I should do my part. So, man, I started trying out different churches, and I, I went to the, the denomination that I grew up in. And, man, you know, I felt like I was doing the right thing, but, uh, what nothing really new. You know, I just felt like I was going through the motions again. And then one day I got invited to family life. And uh, so, man, you know, I came and my first experience at family life, it's the first Christian church that I ever really went to for myself, you know, that I wanted to go to. So I walk in and, and man, they're playing this worship music and that made me uncomfortable. I was like, man, this is so weird. I get in a pew and, um, and man, they got a lady on the side of me with both her hands raised. And just, man, I was so prideful before I knew the Lord. I was thinking, man, look at this whack person. Got their hands raised. Like, what you doing? Like, what, what you raising your hands to? You know, I didn't know God. I didn't even believe in him. I thought I was silly for even going, you know. And so next thing you know, someone's making some type of ba-ba-ba-ba sound by me. And I'm like, whoa, man, I'm thinking they got like some Satan worship going on, man. And the first time I'm in church during worship, I'm thinking, dude, I ain't never coming back to this place, you know. And so I had made up my mind. I was going to walk out of that place and never come back because it was just weird. And then this guy gets up on the stage. And he starts uh, talking, and he's opening up the Bible, and he's saying stuff out this out this Bible, and I start thinking like, man, what he's talking about, it really, that's some true stuff, man. Like I'd be having a problem in my life, and he'd say something about it, and it's like, cool, I never thought of that. That's good, you know. And and so I caught myself, I like preaching, but I didn't even know you called it preaching. I didn't know nothing about church. So you know, fast forward four Sundays in a row. Um, I do the same thing, man. I, I go to church. People are worshiping. It's weirding me out. I'm just thinking, man, these people are whack. I'm judging everybody. And um, and finally, man, it's something at the end of the service was different. And, um, man, it's like that one particular service just spoke to me. And so we stand up, and and I didn't really know what was going on. But, uh, you know, we stand up. The service is wrapping up. And, and now I find out this dude's called a pastor. So pastor who happened to be pastor Todd, he stands up and he says man if if you've been living a life that's just so far from jesus and you would say todd i don't think i know jesus if that would be you you know i want you to pray a prayer with me and then my heart starts going boop, 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 just starts beating like out of my chest you know and i'm thinking hey i'll pray a prayer with you and then he says you know and i want you to raise your hand so i can see you and i'm thinking no way. I ain't raising my hand with all these whack people in here, raising their hands and all like this wasn't happening. And so um, he acts again. And I'm thinking, dude, if this guy acts again, I'm gonna have to do it. Well, before he could act again, clear as day. And look, y'all, I didn't grow up in church. All right. I never read my Bible. Even if you paid me, I wouldn't read that book. All right. All of a sudden, and I'm gonna read the verse word for word. But this came, it wasn't audible. It wasn't in my in my ears. But it was like, in me, the best I could explain it. Now I know it was the Holy Spirit talking to me, but I didn't know how to word that then, you know. And so the verse said, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory. And um, man, it was so loud. It's crazy. Um, It was so loud. And man, it shook me. And I thought, what in the world was that? And I'm looking around and everybody's heads bowed. And I'm thinking, man, did someone just like whisper that in the back, you know, but it wasn't a whisper. I felt it. So I kind of did like this 
And that same still small voice, I guess for a church phrase would be still small voice. And that same still small voice um, said, do you want me to give that much effort to reach out to you? Or do you want me to reach out to you? And so, man, when I heard it again, I was like, whoa, what is going on? So I shot my hand up as high as I could. And man, if, I, if, if I'd have thought like it would have been cool to stand on a pew at that point, I might have done it. So man, like I raised my hand up and, um, and, and, and Pastor Todd says, thank you, buddy. I see your hand. And so I said, whew, man, I put my hand down. Like, dude, that's, you got me on that one, bro. I ain't doing that again. Well, sure enough, I knew he was going to do this. I knew it. He goes, if you mean it, if you raise your hand as a sign that you're serious, I want you to walk down here. And man, my mom like, there's no way I'm fixing to walk down this aisle, y'all. So I get halfway down the aisle before I realize, oh man, I'm walking down this aisle. Like I'm still talking myself out of it before I even get halfway down. And so the thought crossed my mind, Brady, turn around and walk out this place. This is nuts, dude. You're about to, you, dude, you're 20 yards away, bro. You're getting closer. You turn around. And then it hit me. Now, if I turn around, I had came with someone. I said, now, if I turn around, um, it's going to cause a scene. I'm going to have to stop and get that person. It's going to be even more embarrassing. Um, I ain't going to do that. I'm going to keep going. And plus, I like what this dude got to say when he gets up there and talks. And so if I do this, man, I can't show my face here again. Even if these people are whack, I can't show up again, man. And so... I finished the walk, and uh, man, when I got down there, I was just so much peace, man. And um, and and that day, I gave my life to Christ, and um, I don't even know what you called it. You know, I knew a couple people, um, I knew a couple people who were Christians, and so I'd call them and say, "Man, you're not gonna believe what I did." You know how you're supposed to raise your hand and walk down, and I describe the whole story, and they say, "Yeah, you got saved," and I'm thinking, whatever, whatever you call it, it was great, you know, and so. On my way home, I made a phone call like that. And uh, so, you know, I get home, and, uh, and I'm about to wrap this story up. So I get home, and, um, and man, the fr- I don't know. No one told me to do this. Um, I just did it. I went home. I grabbed all my alcohol. I had tons of alcohol stockpiled, Joe. I grabbed all my alcohol, opened up the bottles, poured them out. I didn't know what was a sin and what wasn't a sin. I just was following what I felt led to do. And I just was sitting there, boom, 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 there's 20 more dollars, like, bam, 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 like just dumping this stuff out. But I was cool with it, y'all. Man, I had some weed in my room. I flushed that down the toilet, got rid of that, and that was it, man. Um, and, and what ended up happening, you know, hindsight, I traded that, like, my moral compass for Jesus's truth, you know, because I had always heard all this stuff, and that's what I shaped my morals by. I didn't shape my morals by God's word. I shaped my morals by um, my own thoughts, you know, what other people were saying, get it out of your system type thing. And so, man, I was praying about that. And, and it's like, God, like, what do you call that? What do you call that would happen? And, and I came across this verse and it says, it's Second uh, Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God, so lowercase g, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so what happened was my mind was blinded for 21 years. And y'all, that's a real battle. I lived it. Um, and you know, my thoughts, my mindsets, philosophies, everything was shaped by what I grew up hearing. Nothing, nothing like stood the test. Nothing, man. 
that life is not not worth living, man. It's not all it's cracked up to be. And you're going to lie to yourself and you try to live it. And, um, man, I'm a living proof of that. The best life you could live um, is for Jesus, for sure. Um, so, man, it takes me to point number two. Um, what are God's thoughts? You know, um, the first 21 years of my life, I, I kind of shaped it, like I said, about uh, living it like everybody else uh, thought. But, man, so at this point, I started to have a hunger. Well, man, if this ain't right, then what is right? I got to fill my time with something. And I've been partying. I've been doing all this. Now what I'm going to do? Um, so uh, a sub point under this one is he timed me perfectly. That's the first thing he started to show me is that he timed me. He timed you perfectly. His timing was perfect. Um, his word says in Jeremiah 1, 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Man, every time I read that verse, every time I read that verse, it's like God is speaking to me. And, and it makes me want to tell people, man, when you read that verse, it's like God is speaking to you. You know, oftentimes we'll read a verse so frequently or we'll hear a verse so frequently um, that it's like we get inoculated with it, you know. And um, so, man, you know, I'm going to read it again and um, act like it's the first time you read it. You know, God never intended on his word to be repetitive. You know, he never intended, man, these kids are going to read this or these guys, these girls, they're going to read this stuff. Um, but it's going to get old after a while. Man, he is just as true with his word. Um the first time you read it as he is the fifth time you read it. So I'm going to read it again. And I'm going to say a few things. Um, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Oh, man, one thing that stands out to me here, and it always has, man, is, is that God could have made you in 400 B.C. Um, he could have placed you on earth in 1200 A.D. Man, I mean, 1500. We could go on and on. Uh, but he chose 2015, and that's not an accident. Um, he chose 2015 right now, and and you're here. You know, what if he made you in the future? You know, man, that that begs a lot of questions. Like, all right, God, if I'm here, why am I here? And there has to be a purpose, right? Um, which leads me to the next point. Uh, God has a specific purpose for your life. Talking about common uh, scriptures, uh, this is probably one of the most popular. It says, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Um, you know, going into more of the thought aspect of this, of this message, you know, if somebody walks up and tells you, you know, hey, stop thinking about that blue elephant. Right now, you're thinking about a blue elephant. And if somebody says, hey, man, there's a pink tiger Right now, you're thinking about a pink tiger. So, like, as people do that, that doesn't just happen with silly illustrations, man. That happens with real stuff. So, um, tell a little story. I had a roommate, and um, I try not to say his name. That's the only thing I've been worried about this whole time. I said, man, I can't say the guy's name. So, um, anyway, I had a roommate in college, and um, very unique story. Growing up, he uh, he had a single mom. Uh, his dad had, had left, and it was him, his mom, and his uh, older sister. And he didn't have much, man. He didn't have much growing up. His mom uh, worked night shifts because she'd make a better pay. And his sister kind of helped raise him. But um, he didn't have very many friends. He didn't have a whole lot of nice stuff. You know, like he, if he played sports, he got the hand-me-downs. I mean, he just really struggled to fit in, you know. And 
um, his mom's boss, very wealthy guy, owned a bunch of land. And when, whenever he got to be like driving age, his mom's boss said, hey, look, dude, I'm going to give you the keys to the gate of my land. And he had a camp on it, all kinds of stuff. Man, he had four wheelers, um, airboats, regular boats, anything you could think of, he'd have it. And so, um, man, the, the only rule was if you break it, you fix it. And so he didn't know anything about fixing, you know, mechanical stuff. So, man, he started going out there. He ride four wheelers until, you know, dark went. And then he'd stay in the camp. And he loved, he loved that. That was his thing. That was his out, you know, dealing with stress. What he would do is he would go to his mom's boss camp. And so uh, one day something breaks and he didn't know much about fixing it. So he'd look at the manual, he'd order the parts and uh, he'd replace the parts. And that carried on for probably a year, two years. And one day he notices, man, these particular things start to break pretty often. It's always the same thing that breaks. And so instead of just fixing it, he started improving it. And he was engineering before he knew what engineering was. And he just had a knack for it. I mean, he would improve things. And it was amazing. They would never break again. It was awesome. And so that's what he would do. He'd almost want to break stuff on purpose um, just to fix it, you know. And so uh, he kind of found his knack. He found his niche. And then one day he's in school and he, he, he struggled in school. He didn't really like school, um, even if he tried. So because he tried and he didn't like it, he got discouraged and his grades started dropping. So he had a, uh, an advisor, a school advisor, his 10th grade year sat him down and said, hey, buddy, um, you know, what, what are your plans when you graduate? And, and my friend said, dude, I, I love fixing stuff, man. I, I want to be an engineer. And it was a coach that was advising him. And, man, the coach laughed at him, like laughed him out of the room. He told him, like, word for word, he said, dude, you'll never make it in college. Like, that's just not going to happen. If that's a dream of yours, you should just assume walk away from it because that's not going to happen. You're not smart enough for that. So you need to be realistic about your future goals and don't pursue a college uh, career for sure. And so, man, you know, he was making B's and C's before that, occasional D. Um, afterwards, he was making, man, C's and D's, occasional F, eventually occasional C. And so his grades just started to plummet until his 11th grade year, another advisor, a new advisor came along and um, she was sitting down with him and she said, hey man, uh, I see a trend in your grades are dropping. What's going on? Like, what are your plans when you graduate? Like, what do you want to do? Do you, I mean, wh where's, where's your life going to be taking you? And he said, well, you know, I really wanted to be an engineer, but I know that I'm not smart enough to be an engineer. And she said, why would you say something like that? And he said, well, you know, I got advised last year and man, my grades were were uh, B's and C's, and I got to, I got laughed at. And he told me not to come back uh, and and try to even make it into college because I couldn't make it through college, much less engineering. So what ends up happening with him is, man, his grades started to go even further. And the teacher tried to tell him differently, tell him differently, until one time she called a specific meeting with him and his mom, and she sat him down and she was tearing up. And he's told me this story so many times. Um, she was tearing up and she said, you know. Your grades in school may not reflect like your intelligence, but the way you come uh, or the way that you arrive at conclusions is a totally different way that most people arrive at conclusions. She said, even on tests, I see when you try to work things out 
and you show your work like in math, I see that you do that totally different. That's for sure. You, you, you do things totally different, but man, you arrive at the same answer. And the way you do things, sometimes I learn. So man, she just gave him a pep talk, but she was being real. You know, she gave him a real pep talk. And so in a matter of a year and a half, he barely made it to getting into UL because that lady encouraged him. Okay, fast forward to the college years. Um, you know, at first, that first thought that he was dwelling on when he started to, to struggle was, you'll never make it. You're not smart enough. And so when that second thought came along, he started to dwell and believe that thought. And so he got to a point to where he gets into college, man. He's here. He's at college. First class, next thing you know, he runs into the same coach. He goes back home. He runs into the same coach. And, um, and the coach asked him what he's doing. And he said, man, I'm in school. And the coach said, dude, <laughs> kind of laughed again. He said, how in the world they let you in? And, and that was all he said, you know, how in the world they let you in? And, but, it, man, it really, it really dealt uh, tough with, with my friend. You know, it took him six and a half or seven years to graduate UL. It took him a long time. You know, the average is four, maybe five. But six and a half, seven is a, is a bit. Uh, but he did it. He graduated. He graduated a, a mechanical engineer. Uh, that dude put in the work. What came natural to most people, it didn't come natural to him, but he worked for it. And he didn't dwell on that first thought, that first lie. He dwelt on what, what was true about himself. You know, with all the layoffs going on in the oil field right now, he still has his job with a leading oil field company, a worldwide company. They laid off three people and kept him, and this is what they told him. We were going around trying to make cuts, you're not exactly the, the, the lowest paid guy, but the way that you think and arrive at things, you're a whole lot more productive than the three guys we laid off. Man, thank God he didn't listen to that teacher or that coach that laughed at him and told him, man, you'll never even make it into college. That dude is killing it as an engineer now. And he found his passion just doing what he loved to do. Um, so for me, um, I always, I always get to the point of, in this, man, every time I tell this story, and I, I talk to myself a lot, so I tell the story to myself. Um, you know, if a human being, you know, this teacher, I don't know if she was a Christian. I don't know if she spoke with authority. I don't know if she declared that over his life. But um, if a human being has the power to change the way we view things, man, how much more so God? How much more so God? You know, if we, you know, I heard Bill Johnson say this, we can't afford to have a thought about ourselves that God doesn't think about us. Man, that's huge. We can't afford to have a thought about ourselves that God doesn't think about us. Man, that's huge. Um, well, another thing too, man, Casey Doss. I don't know if you ever heard of Casey Doss. He's a pastor at the ramp. If you ever heard about the ramp, but um, he said people are going to live up to or down to whatever you call them to. And, um, and I think that's huge. And I think I've seen that a lot with, with my life, with my roommate's life and, and all that stuff. And so it's the same as for you, you know, um, what you listen to, what you allow to call you, cause there's going to be two things constantly calling you. It's either going to be things that are, that are not the truth or things that are the truth. And if you respond to the things that are not the truth, if you respond to those thoughts, your life is going to take that path. And if you respond to the, the truth, your life's going to take that path. Um, so make sure that you stay in God's word. Um, and then finally, I'm going to hit scripture here. Uh, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, you know, main takeaway here is don't settle for the cheap counterfeit um, that the enemy is going to throw your way. Um, you know, as you go on in life, it's going to be in school. It's going to be in relationships. It's going to be in temptations. Everything that falls short of what God says for you and what God has for you is a cheap counterfeit. And, um, and man, if the enemy can do that, then he can steal, kill, and destroy everything that God has for your life. Um, so don't let him do it. Dwell on God's word. Um, and then finally, uh, the last and third point is reformat your thoughts. You have to reformat your thoughts. And this is something that, you know, you never reach a destination and say, all right, my thoughts are just, whoop, they reformat it. I never got to reformat these things again. Every day you got to plug in. Every day you got to reformat your thoughts. Um, in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There are four key things you must do in order to reformat your thoughts. Um, that's not in Romans 12, by the way. Um, so yeah, number one, you know, give your life to Jesus. Um, if you haven't done that, I've been there for a long time. Um, and man, it's, it's not hard, you know. Um, reformat your life and, and give your life to Christ. Uh, God is a perfect gentleman. He is. He's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force his way on anyone. Um, he loves us enough to be that way. He loves us enough to give us the space when we want it. Um, but he also loves us enough to, to be there in a second um, whenever we want him to. And once you give your life to Christ, um, only then can you really understand like his will for your life. You know what, what he, he thinks about a situation, um, the love that he has for you. Um, only once you become saved can you really understand that. Man, you can hear people talk about it because I did for so long. You can hear people talk about it. You can hear people fuss at you and tell you you're not supposed to do this and, and, and listen to a bunch of rules. But man, when you when you give your life to Jesus and you experience his love, um, it's a totally different story. You, you fall in love with the father heart of God and it's no longer an agenda. It's no longer a list of things to do. Man, a dude just loves you. Um, and so 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And that's what happens. It's just that simple. Um, you know, a lot of times I've met people to where they try to figure out a way uh, to get to Jesus. They try to figure out, well, man, um, I can keep doing this. And, and what do I need to do to earn my way to God? And am I good enough for the Lord? And, um, and all these things. And it's kind of like what Nicodemus did with Jesus he kind of went to Jesus at night. And he said, man, you know, how how do you get born again? What is that? And um, and Jesus pretty much told him, man, you, it's not a carnal-minded thing. It's a spiritual thing. That's the, the paraphrased version. Um, second is pray. Um, look, prayer is not complicated. You know, uh, growing up for myself, I always thought, man, all right, I got to pray for this long. I have to pray in this way. Uh, I got to hit one knee and stand up before I start praying. You know, just this list of stuff. And, um, and man, don't make prayer more complicated uh, than it needs to be. Um, you know, I think that prayer is, is for myself for sure, uh, one of the areas that so many people really struggle with. 
Um, and I think I think partly is because we don't really realize what that is. Uh, sometimes we think it's it's like so simple as um, as jotting a list of things down, reading a list to God, and uh, and that's not you know that I've been guilty of that for so long. Uh, and then I had somebody tell me, man, hey, it's just a conversation. You like to talk, and of course I like to talk. I said, yeah, man. He said, um, we'll just start talking. Just talk to God. And I had this concern of, but what if I say the wrong thing? You know, like, what if I'm talking to this, this God and, and he's like, well, I don't, I don't think I like what you got to say there. And then, uh, and then I realized, man, he already knows what I'm thinking. So I just soon say it, right? And so, um, I started praying one time and I felt like the Lord put on my heart. Um, I was outside. I like to pray outside, uh, for whatever reason. And I was looking at the stars and I felt like the, like God was talking to me saying, you know, look at all these stars. And uh, I was looking at trees. I was just looking at everything God made. And man, this revelation hit me. The God that made all this stuff, the God that even before I knew him, um, I didn't think, I thought whatever else made it. I had no idea how I got grass under my feet, but it, it didn't bother me. But the God that made that stuff, even before I knew he made it, he desired to have a conversation with me. Man, that was huge. When that finally set in, man. And so that's the God that wants to have a conversation with me, with you. And uh, so, man, just don't take that for granted. That's huge. Um, another part, it says Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, a lot of times I think, you know, man, I'm going to just waste my time praying. You know, God already knows uh, what I'm thinking. Why should I pray? And, um, and then I came across this verse. It says, um, Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so I started to really ask God, God, how do I pray? You know, like uh, this seems like such a simple concept. How do I pray? And um, he revealed a couple of things to me. Uh, number one, turn off and set aside all distractions. And for me, that was my phone. Um, you know, it's funny. I heard a pastor put it like this. He says, you know, there's several voices calling out to you especially when you want to start praying. And your phone has a voice, whether you realize it or not. And that thing calls out your name like crazy the second you start to kneel and you start to pray. And after he said that, man, it's true. Every time I kneel and pray, it's like I got to check Facebook or I got to check Twitter. Or, man, I wonder if somebody texted me and I missed it, you know, and it's all this stuff. My day-to-day don't consist of me thinking like that. It's only when I kneel down to pray that everything else becomes becomes on spec. Everything else becomes a priority. And so, number one, turn and set aside all distractions. If that's parents, man, you know, sometimes parents will be calling you, you know, hey, come do this, come do that, man, take care of your stuff. But let your mom and dad know, hey, I'm going to take this amount of time and pray. You know, for me, even in, even in college, my phone would ring and it would be a parent and I'd be trying to pray. I mean, the second you try to pray, I promise you, distractions are going to pop up everywhere. And so I'd have to say, hey, look, from this time to this time, if you can't reach me, don't freak out. I'm just praying, and which they love to hear that. So um, second thing that I learned, be real. Just be real with God. Um, God already knows your thoughts. He knows your heart, um, and he desires to speak openly with you. And, and so he needs you to be real and speak openly with him. Um, and sometimes I'll be praying, and I feel like I'm being too real with God. It's like, oh, man, I can't say that. you know. And then I remember... Nah, God knew I was thinking it, you know, so I just say it. Um, lastly, uh, listen. 
And that's the, that's the hardest thing sometimes is, is listening. Sometimes that's the thing that takes time uh, in prayer is, man, just, just really being still, turning off distractions. And, man, I'm not kidding. Like sometimes it'll, it'll take you kneeling and not saying anything for 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden a thought will cross your mind and you start asking God, what was that thought about? And then he'll take you pretty soon. A train starts going on, man. Like this thought leads to this thought leads to this thought. And it just goes. And then God starts speaking. Um, and that's one of the things that I've learned was a big hindrance to that was, man, for me, my phone. Um, and lastly, and I, I'm guilty of not doing this too often, but journaling. Man, there's times in my walk with Christ that I'll journal consistently. And I can I can journal about something and God will just put something on my heart and I'll write it down and uh, I have no idea what it means. And then four or five months later, boom, that same thing will pop up and I'll go reread it. And man, all of a sudden everything makes sense. And um, and that's great when that happens, but I'm just so inconsistent with journaling. But that's just a great way for God to be able to speak to you. So in a recap, it would be turn off, set aside distractions, be real with God, take time to listen to him talk back. Um, he wants to talk back. Um, and journal. Um, I was talking to uh, to Brother Francis on the subject of prayer, and uh, one of the things that that he had said, and I'm paraphrasing, this ain't an exact quote, but one of the things that he had said was, you know, like now more than ever, especially our generation, it's harder to pray, and it's because we have more distractions. I mean, everything's at our fingertips. Man, if you want to know what movie's playing, it'll take but ten seconds to pull your phone out, check out what movie's playing. You don't have to do too much to be distracted. And, um, and you know, there's a lot of people who, who think, man, you know, our generation is, is going to be a generation that could lose touch with God because we don't pray. And, um, and man, I, I just think that that's not true. I think that, that once we realize that, man, we're going to come to grips and we're going to be disciplined and start setting those things aside and pray. At least that's what I'm going to speak over us, you know. Um, second to last is meditate on God's word. You know, if we're reformatting our mind, uh, we have to understand a couple of things. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us where we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Man, that's huge. God gave us a measuring stick. You know, before... My measuring stick on what I was supposed to do and what I wasn't supposed to do and, and all was, well, I knew if I was going to drink, I couldn't go around my parents drunk because they would have a problem with that. So I knew like, nah, I could get drunk anywhere else, but I can't go around mom and dad. So I learned that from an experience. And so I learned all these things from different experiences, you know. And, uh, but when, you know, when I got saved and I, I found God's word, it was like, wait a minute, this is a great way to measure my life. And um, and what's so good about God's word is, man, you know, whenever a lie or something that's not true will come your way. You know, if if you have a desire like my like my friend, you know, and um, and someone tells you, man, you know, you can't do this. If you're seeking the Lord and you have this desire, man, you can fall back on God's word where it says, no, man, I've given you the desires of your heart. Pursue that, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be added to you. God will start speaking to you through scripture, but he can't do it unless you plug into his word. Um, another point is use it. Use God's word. Um, you know, I remember watching Pastor Todd, you know, before I got saved and he'd say these things and it's like, 
golly, it's so good. Where is he getting that from? And then I found out he's getting it from the Bible. And so, man, that was huge for me. You know, I was like, wow, okay, well, I got to get me one of those things. And, uh, and so I got it. And, um, and one of the things, the first thing that I learned was once you start using God's word, um, things start happening. You know, once you start walking out what you're reading, things start changing. And it's amazing because it's like it's alive. It is alive. I mean, it's living and breathing. But like when I started to realize that, it made me want to read more. It made me want to do more. And it's not always easy. But, man, when you do God's word, it'll blow your mind. Um, so James 1, 2 says, you know, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, if you do what the word of God says, it'll never become boring. There's so much to do in that book. You don't have time to be bored. Um, and just experience um, the truth, you know. And then lastly, fellowship. Um, this is a huge one. Um, having Christian friends is huge. You know, when I got saved, I didn't have any, any friends that were Christians. For like three months after I got saved, I'd go to my apartment. All my, you know, at the time, I have, man, when you go to college, you have so many different roommates throughout the whole time. I'm probably 20 roommates. But um, the roommates that I had at the time, man, they were always smoking, you know, doing drugs in a living room. Like it was, it was chaotic. And then when I got saved, I'd always just, I'd go straight to my room, close my door. And man, I was a nerd for the Bible. Like I just would plug into the word of God. Uh, if I could find something to do outside, I would do it. I wouldn't put myself around that stuff. Um, and But I didn't have any Christian friends, man. And then I started to make Christian friends and I noticed the difference that it made in my walk with God. So that's huge. Um, it helps to have encouraging voices of reason. You know, I can't tell you how many times, and uh, I checked with him to make sure I could use him, but, you know, uh, Carlin, man. Carlin will be like such a Barnabas. You know, like when you read the Word of God, you hear about Barnabas being an encourager. And, um, you know, the more Christian friends you have, when you're going to go through things, you know, and you're going to go through things, you already go through things, um, you can have those Christian friends to remind you of God's Word. You know, when you when you say a thought out loud, they can tell you, man, that's not from God. You don't want to think that way, man. This is what God's word says about that. But if you try to walk a life for Christ alone, it's going to be a tough road. Um, lastly, um, and I'll, I'll kind of close with this. Uh, it says, uh, you know, always have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. And man, look, I've only been saved for three and a half uh, years, and I've heard that so many times. And I've been around people that have heard that so many times. To always have a Paul a Timothy, and a Barnabas. Um, and, and this is what it means. It's, it's simple, you know, a Paul in the Bible. Paul always was growing somebody. You know, Paul is someone that you grow from and you learn from. Um, that's, that's spec, man. That's important. Um, the second is have a Timothy. Have somebody that you can teach that maybe they're in a position that you just came out of. When you teach, you learn. I used to, I used to coach and man, I would find that I would learn so much more when I'm coaching somebody than when I was actually doing it. And so um, it's the same with the word of God. It's the same with your walk with God um, is just make sure that you find that person to teach. Man, it makes a difference in your walk. And then lastly, like I mentioned, um, the Barnabas, you need that encourager, man. You need somebody that's on the same pace as you, somebody that's walking with you through these things. And if you don't have any of those, I promise, if you start to pray, you start to ask the Lord, man, God. Send me a Timothy, you know, send me a mentor, um, send me a, uh, a Paul, you know, send me a Barnabas, man, he's going to send it, you know. Um, so in closing, 
um, you know, I'm going to pray out and, um, and, and I'm going to ask a couple of people to respond. And, uh, you know, much like myself, you know, I wasn't really set up. I wasn't really prepared um, to, to do anything when I went to church, man. I just wanted to go and hear what this guy had to say. And, and I was hoping that he would say something that would apply to my life. And, um, and so tonight, you know, I hope that there's somebody in here, you know, Jonathan had led into it a little earlier, um, that there's somebody in here that maybe it's as I've been talking, um, your heart's been been tugged or maybe something that you heard was like, man, that might have been for me tonight. You know, if that's you, um, I will want you to respond to something I'm going to ask in a second. But if everybody could stand up for me. And, man, we're just going to bow our heads, okay? Um, not that we're ashamed of what I'm fixing to ask, but but sometimes it can be can be a little uh, intimidating. And so, um, you know, man, look, if, if I was praying tonight, uh, you know, or, or, or talking, you know, earlier, Jonathan started praying, I prayed in. If at that point, you know, your heart started to rumble a little bit, and if at anything, anything I said during this message spoke to you, um, and, 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 you know, first off, if you thought, man, Brady, I don't know, man. I've been coming here a little bit, but I don't know if I really know Jesus. Um, or if you would say, you know, Brady, I, I've been hearing a lot about him, but um, I don't know if I know him. If you would want to know him, and, I, you know, I hope everybody in here is saved, but if you're not, if you don't know Jesus, and you would say, Brady, man, I do want to know that guy. Um, if you would just, every head bow right now, if you would just slip up a hand and just acknowledge that. Awesome, man. Lift your hands high, man. I see your hands. See your hands. Awesome. Anybody else, man, if your heart's just beating a million miles an hour right now, that's you. And um, and this is a perfect time to make that decision. All right, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Okay. Um, next, you know, if, if you would say, you know, I've been going through some battles for my mind. You know, I believe some lies that I shouldn't have believed. Uh, you know, if people have spoken things over me or, or, or swayed me in a certain direction and I don't think it's God's will for my life I don't think it's true you know I think it's been a lie and I've been accepting that if that's you um, raise your hand every head still bowed alright I see your hand you can put it down I see your hand buddy you can put it down awesome awesome the hands everywhere awesome awesome and so lastly um if you would be in here and you'd say, Brady, you know, I'm saved. Um, I've been listening to God's word. I've been plugging into God's word. and and uh, But I want some direction. I need some direction for my life. Um, I want you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. Awesome. So um, on three, I'm going to ask that if you raised your hand uh, and said that, you know, look, Brady, I don't know the Lord, but I want to make sure I know the Lord. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to come up to my right. Okay. I'm going to ask you to just walk up and come up to my right. And we're going to pray for you. Um, if those other two questions that I asked you, if you had raised your hand for that, look, I want to stand in agreement with you. I want to pray for you. And I would like, uh, you know, for somebody up here to pray for you. We're going to get altar workers. If you're an altar worker, if you don't mind coming up to the front. Um, so when I count to three, if you raised your hand, I want you to follow those directions, okay? And this is a great step for the Lord. All right, one, 
two, three. Don't be shy. Awesome. 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 Yeah, keep on coming. That's good. We'll make room if we don't have it. Awesome. All right, guys. I'm going to pray one final thing over us. And if you want prayer after, um, you can stay around for prayer. Um, So if you would just bow your heads with me, all right? Hey, Jesus. Man, thank you so much, God. Um, I I appreciate the opportunity to, to... preach your word. I thank you that it's still alive and it still changes lives. God, I pray for everybody in here, including myself. I pray that this message would would not just be for now, but it would stick with people. I pray that as everybody, everybody that's hearing my voice, that when they lay their head down tonight, something from this message would pop up on their mind. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just start to turn their mind about that, God, that you would pick. You could meet every person right where they are. You know what every person in here is dealing with. And I just pray that you would meet every single person right where they are, God. God, you are an ever-present help in a time of need. Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to want to talk to us, that you love us enough to give us a rule book to follow, a guide to our life, a map, a blueprint, the Bible. I appreciate that, God. Lord, I pray for direction for everyone in here, God. I pray that if there's anyone in here that's experiencing a thought that's not your thought, God, I pray that you would reveal that to them. God, I would also pray that you would give people encouragement in areas that they've been discouraged in, and you wouldn't want that discouragement there. Um, And lastly, Lord, I pray over everyone here that as they leave, you would keep them safe. They will grow in love with you and grow in understanding with you. And you will give them fresh revelation of your word and your heart. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.